Hi, welcome to Sell Less, Mean More. I'm your host, Yolanthi Gabri. The purpose of Sell Less, Mean More is to move entrepreneurs away from a hard sell hustling mindset and towards a more holistic business practice. I'm so glad you're listening. I'm looking forward to sharing many smarts with you. Hi, welcome to Sell Less, Mean More. I'm your host, Delancey Gabri, and today we're speaking with coach extraordinaire, Julie Davis. Welcome, Julie. Thank you. So I'm so pleased to have come across Julie and her work, and it came about in the most synchronistic of ways because uh, Julie's niece is actually one of my employees. Her name's Catherine, and she's a very fine writer. And when I was thinking about women to interview for Sell Less, Mean More, she said, you should really speak to my aunt because she's a real leader in the real estate space. And as anybody who has listened to Sell Less, Mean More will know, Ruby Assembly love the real estate space. So welcome, Julie. We're so pleased to have you with us today. It's really lovely to be here. So thank you for the invitation. I'd like to know, how is it that you help people? I hope I help them on many levels, I guess would be probably my my pre-frame around everything. But my experience that I bring, particularly in the real estate space, I was a real estate practitioner for many, many years and then worked with one of Australia's top uh, real estate coaches, Michael Shigold. And then for the last 11 years, um, I have um, had Agent Dynamics and we work predominantly with business owners. And how we help is how we help them build great teams and work with them through in terms of who is the right person within that team, but also strategically on the level in terms of how do they lead, motivate and manage their teams as well, as well as working on an individual basis with clients. The last 11 years, Agent Dynamics, that's your own practice? That's your own business, Julie? It is, yes. And was it a really uh, was it a really natural segue from collaborating with someone like Michael to running your own practice? How was it becoming your own gig, your own brand? Yeah. So we found that my then business partner, who's just retired on the 1st of July this year, Sadly, there was such a high turnover in our industry, in the real estate industry, second only to hospitality. And so um, I became accredited and worked a lot in the in the profiling space. And to give some indication, number one is how can that person have the best possible experience going to an organisation in terms of, you know, them being a really great fit for what they're doing, that it's going to be their happy place, it's going to be where they actually got a high level of contribution, but in the terms of a business owner, whether that might be someone that is going from a solo practitioner to building one person in their team or whether it could be a multitude of of people. Now, we've often seen, and I don't know if it's true for you, it's certainly for me, we've all done things in our life that we can do in terms of a skill level, but in terms of it being a happy place for us, not necessarily so so we would turn up and we have what what I call full pockets, empty heart. And when you have, you know, your team that are turning up just for the pay packet, they're not really adding a contribution. However, if you find a space for them where they feel they can contribute and that's through their natural energy, it's where they're also going to feel a massive sense of contribution and satisfaction and you then have, you know, much better activity within the team in terms of them being more focused, more more alert and engaged. 
And they tend to stay a lot longer too because they feel like they're making a meaningful contribution. That, I guess, is a cornerstone of what we do and which is around all of the coaching that I do because for me, I need to know what sort of client I'm working with. I need to know what their natural flow is and how I can help them to understand that and to dig into that and be able to get the very best from themselves. So given that you have been a practitioner and a coach in the space, your knowledge of the real estate category is really deep. I mean, I have in a similar way been working both as a real estate practitioner and then adjacent in that industry um, for my professional life. And I think that even in the 20-odd years that I've been within the industry, I've seen culture slowly start to change. I'd love to know because you will have been in the industry for a longer period than I How would you discuss the change that has happened and has impacted positively on the industry? I think there's been a lot of um, positive impacts. There have all been also been people who are very slow to adapt and to get out of their pre-COVID model and because we know that COVID changed a lot of things dynamically within a business. Like for the property management sector, I think there's something around 38% of property managers say that they're going to to intend on leaving the industry within the next 12 months. That's really critical um, in terms of, number one, at the moment, trying to find someone to go into that industry is very, very challenging and so it's fairly competitive out there. And typically what we're finding in the recruitment space, even though I'm not a recruiter but it's coming back to me, is that if somebody is to leave an organisation and they give their notice, they then offered a whole lot more money to stay. Now, we know that money is not really a a long-term motivator for someone to stay, but where environmentally is the biggest reason why either people will go to a role or why they'll leave a role. And what that really equates to is how is that person, what is the culture? And we talk about values alignment. So I think there's, there's three really key things that I talk about, which is align, amplify and activate. So this is on both sides. As a business owner, when you're looking to bring somebody within your organisation, the number one thing, the most important thing is the character of that person and looking, is that person a value aligned to what we stand for? So like at Ruby Stanley, is that person going to be a really great fit within the organisation? And what is the talent that we can amplify to create a better value for our clients but also inwardly with the team. And that's where we work in terms of we can indicate in terms of where is that person going to maximise the contribution and then have an environment where that contribution is activated and so and that's facilitating where where people can bring their very best um, to the table. So that's the foundation in terms of anyone in any team. Um, it's really, really important and then, of course, what's important from that is to have a, a process where that where they do feel supported, particularly where they're, they're accountable as well. I think for any business owner, I think it's really important that we have a, a level of accountability that will stretch our team to go to the next level and to really, you know, to be the best version of themselves. So I think that people, coming back to your question, people really will factor in a lot more things of what they particularly want. What are the opportunities? What is the, the culture and, and that? Or is there is there another career path they want to take? And that that is definitely a big hit for our industry at the moment, whereas we've had people that have been in our industry for a long time 
that becomes a, a burnout or a stress decision where they decide to change industries. So the culture in which you have your people and to keep and retain really good people is absolutely essential. I love that you're speaking to values and culture in an industry where delving into that language is actually a relative uh, novelty in a lot of ways. I mean, we serve many real estate brands across Australia and New Zealand, uh, from boutique to big franchise groups. And from having experienced time as an agent, I know that nothing can be more toxic to culture than a star performer who just absolutely destroys <laughs> sense of goodwill or, or wins business by quoting appropriately high or puts expectations on their sales administrators that are inappropriate in terms of turning around marketing. Um, I think that there's that there's no benefit to having a star performer that actually destroys the reputation of a business. Well, we see that and we see the gorilla in the office, right? We see that in our industry all the time. And, you know, it's a really foolish mistake, I think, for a lot of business owners is they think they can have one high performer. They're best to have three or four good performers that are steady and stable because you will find that that one performer, number one is they tend to go in and, and they've got an ego bigger than the room and they dictate the terms. And often there's favoritism, but also in terms of the, the culture, it really has a really big impact because everything becomes about that person. And, you know, what happens is that person is, that type of person is quite often driven by significance. They want to have a, a sense of freedom and they're most likely to to the next best offer that comes on, they will go. It's a very dangerous thing for a business owner. I think what's the most important, well, one of the most important things, and I, I just had a call with a client I've been working with in Melbourne and, we, and um, I did two days with him. We worked a lot on in terms of making sure that we had, you know, the right people in the right roles, but also what are the standards within that business and I had a call with them yesterday and they've made really great progress because everything they're doing now they're saying what is the standard around that so one problem that a lot of business owners have is giving accountability to the team now if you have standards around everything that you do whether it's how you answer the phone how you turn up for work how quickly is something responded to every single facet of the business so when there is a problem the conversation only needs to be what's our standard around that. It's either met or it isn't and it was either then becomes a will or a skill um, situation whereas and there is only two reasons why people don't do something and the first is that they've made a conscious decision not to do it and the second is that they don't have the skill level to do it. It just makes it so much easier. But I think, you know, just having that monthly performance review for a team member is absolutely vital to both parties. Yeah, and I think that, like, you know, many principals who end up as business owners, they may, you were talking um, a little bit about having a full pocket empty heart earlier, which I really love, it's a beautiful phrase, Julie, um, uh, about, um, you know, a principal may have a skill at being a great auctioneer or they can lift their pants off, but it doesn't mean that they have those different skills with management. And, you know, you grow to become a business owner through the process of turning up and attempting to manage and to upskill, but it's not something that is, like, in, in, intuitive. And I have found that in many of the businesses that I have not enjoyed working with in the real estate category, it's because of that gorilla in a suit who becomes the principal, who doesn't understand culture isn't, and isn't really a nurturer. And one of the things that I really am enjoying about observing in the real estate category is that slow about face 
and we've given different people to admire as leaders in the industry. Um, so Samantha McLean's work with the Lead Agent magazine um, in presenting us with different kinds of people and diversity in our industry. So important. And I, I always remember feeling like when I was in real estate, being taken to these marquee events where there were incredibly high-performing male practitioners and their talk about their, you know, their absolutely bonkers prospecting routine, which sounds almost impossible, particularly if you had a if you had a child, if you're a woman. Some of the things they said that they were doing yeah. would not be able to achieve. But moreover, I'd be looking at these folks and I'd be thinking, okay, you're, you're making a lot of calls, but you have four ex-wives and eight children. Like it's, that's exactly right. Is that a measure of someone I admire? And I can patently say that it is absolutely not. No, and this is where really it's hard enough living in this world anyway. There's so much comparison and competing without, you know, really having that within the workplace as well. And that that, that particular person setting the benchmark for everybody else, right, because everyone's circumstances are different, as is everybody else's motivation. And I'm just about to launch um, my program 1st of um, October, my gosh, which is called Defining Your Dash, right? And it's, it's primarily there'll be a lot of women that participate, but it's really finding about what is the purpose for them of why they're actually going to work and what is it, the legacy they want to leave in the world. I have a very big purpose as well, and that purpose really come into fulfilment in March when my husband passed away after being a carer for him for seven years. Um, he, he battled with motor neurone. And, you know, there are different seasons in your life, different cycles that you go through in my my past seven years was a cycle of uh, caring for him and giving him the best quality of life that I could. But then when he passed, it was my season to actually really um, give of my contribution of where I, I, where I felt driven, right, where I felt really, really passionate. And that is really enabling and helping and coaching particularly women that to, to seek what they're really looking for and the purpose of why they're getting out of bed, how do they do it more effectively. And just part of my program I'm doing is essentialism. I'm not sure whether you're familiar with Greg McEwen's work with essentialism. It's the pursuit of doing less but better and being more discerning in the decisions that you make and understand there are trade-offs but knowing that once you, you clarify and you sort of know what you want, it makes it easier to get those decisions. And when you come right back in terms of your values and what's important for you and what drives you, it starts giving you clarity. Yeah. Oh, Julie, bangers of insight. Thank you. That last minute or so of you explaining the seasons of life. I found that in so much media around being in business and startup is essentially masculine in tone and in nature because it has this real tone that is linked towards technology. But a startup can be anything from cupcake walking through to, you know, Canva. It's all startups, right? It's all business. And this idea that relentlessness is important in terms of, you know, you need to, you, you want to rock up as often as you can and do the thing that you are called to do. But there Nothing flourishes eternally and every time we go to the garden we see that in nature. You know, the jasmine is fragrant and it grows heavier and heavier and heavier and more beautiful until it cannot bear its weight and then it needs to go into a period of fallowness. And I think that, you know, when I speak to other of my peers who are also entrepreneurs, when we're feeling really cooked or we feel like we're not doing well in our business, inevitably, Julie, when I check in with my peers, it's pretty much to say, are you tired? 
do you need a week off? And it's that—it's not softness. It's actually acknowledging that the natural world of which we are part. And I love that idea about seasons. That's deeply wise. And I think that so much of that kind of language is typified as feminine and thus excavated from a real estate from the real estate dialogue. You know, we get caught up in the capability trap, don't we? That do more, do more, do more. I'm better if I do more. That you go to bed exhausted every night. But it's really about we're not on this earth for a long time. It's a finite game, right? But sometimes we live like it's an infinite game that we're going to be here forever and we can always do those things. And I'm just in the middle of reading a book which is called 4,000 Weeks. I'm not sure whether you've heard of it or not. But it is that we're all, if we live to the age of 80, so from zero to 80, it equates to 4,000 weeks, right, which is not long. And I did the math, right? I I just went to level 62, which means I've actually used up, I think it's 3,470 of my 4,000 weeks. Last Monday I had 270 weeks left. It's like memento mori. It's that awareness of death. It is, and it's very confronting, right? And I, you know, and I did the numbers for Pete. You know, he was 71 when when he passed and his life cut short from what they say would be the expected by 1,286 days. Now, he never, ever was a victim of uh, his, his diagnosis. And, in fact, he was told he had two years to live and he lived out to seven because he just wouldn't accept that. But the, the day that he passed, the only thing that he had to say was that he felt cheated, right, cheated of life. And on that very next morning, I really made a promise to him and to me that I would not take the rest of my days for granted, hence defining the dash. But, you know, to actually, you know, not live through fear or, or judgment or, you know, there's so many things that we can achieve but we don't achieve for fear of judgment. And our biggest critic is ourselves, right, because we sit, you know, that, that other, the roommate that you've got in your head, right, He's like, oh, you can't do that. You're not good enough. All of all of those things. So it's, it's a battle. So it's really changing that language. But it is like going, okay, now I want to make a decision and I'm going to commit that, you know, I'm going to really focus on what gives me joy in life, You know, not be in a job that makes me unhappy, but to be able to give contribution to others. And through giving contribution to others is the greatest contribution you can give yourself. Because that speaks to that idea of legacy that you were discussing earlier, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, and you, you know, you've got your family now and as a mum, you're a role model and, you know, for me it was always really important to bring up my girls to be really independent and they are. They're just amazing human beings. Just ask Catherine. I'm sure about for her cousins. But I think as women it's that legacy but it's a legacy that goes further it's, and it's what does your heart want to contribute and when you talk about your 100 days of brave, that's about what your heart wants, right? But it's also being able to facilitate what are those, that I guess that skill part and what what is, or the resource part of is that, that you've got a passion to build a business, but there are certain skills, there are certain people that you need to help you and it's being aware of that and being really smart but never lose sight of your vision but just always have the right people mentoring you to take you on that journey because you'll get there a lot faster. And also... Um that idea of the 4,000 weeks, Julie, if we, if we think that we have an infinite timeline, we might use our time 
not as wisely by attempting to learn how to be an expert in everything. And that's not actually the best use of time. I certainly find that as a business owner, if I don't have the interest in being an expert in that field or I don't have the time, then somebody else does that. And that's okay. They can exactly. do that. And that's working smart, right? That's not work, that's working smart, right? And that's why understanding is what is it, what where is your, your contribution overlaid by your skill set. Number one is where you're always going to get the very best results, okay? If you are what we call in flow, right, that's where you're most naturally going to and the easiest way to create results. It's when you're doing things that are out of flow for you that they take 10 times longer, you're not as effective um, and it's really not going to serve you. So you bring those those people into your business. So I am like anything to do with any ref- what we call refining energy, which is all detail and process, and I am not your girl, right? I was behind the door when that was given out. So we have an incredible team member, Marielle, and she does everything back end for us. And so she works, she's offshore, she works 40 hours a week and she's incredible of the value that she brings but it's in her flow. And I have, you know, other people that support me to do what I need to do within the business, my practitioner work or my generating, that sort of thing. So it's it's really everyone being in, in their flow and, you know, knowing what that contribution is. One of the things that has just popped into my mind, courtesy of our conversation, Julie, is in a discussion the other day about 100 Days of Brave, and it was a conversation with a journalist that was generally speaking about choosing your hard in business. Like everything's hard. Like everything has an aspect of difficulty. So we choose our hard, right? And then if you choose your hard, that's a choice that you've made and you're like, well, no, this is what I've chosen. This is, this is the crack that I'm going to have at life, right? And one of the things that I'm finding that I'm returning to again and again as a concept is, A, that example of nature and nothing flowering or yield. But the other one is I feel very strongly that motherhood is the secret sauce because you have to set aside perhaps more time for the care of your child or your family. It means that the times when you're on in your business or when you're making decisions about what is a good client or a less good client or where to put your energies in terms of what to learn next, you don't have the luxury of loads of time. So it's actually this incredible laser beam of refining. You've lived a big life Julie, what is your secret sauce? What would you say the, the thing that you've learned? What's what's the greatest thing that you've learned in terms of like the thing that gives you that magic? I get so much joy from uplifting other people. That's what really drives me. Being just that little part of the journey for people to realise their greatness. And if I can add that, I'm incredibly grateful for that. My secret sauce is I am positive doer, right? So not just positive thinking, but positive doer. I love being around people who are big thinkers and that's who I surround myself with. So I think your, your tribe is really, really important. If you have somebody that is in currently, and sometimes it's a bit hard if it's a family member, but if you have someone who is not really lifting you up and is causing you to, to play a small game, sometimes you've got to cut them, right? So you need to be so aware of the people you surround yourself with, people that are far better, far wiser than what you are So because they're there to stretch you and as you are to other people. So it's really about what's the company that you keep, um, what are the quality of conversations that you have, what's the depth of relationships that you have. I think all of those things where we enable people to really be the best version of themselves. I've so enjoyed our conversation today, Julie. I think that 
uh, the nuggets of knowledge that you've given about being passion and purpose-driven speak directly to the idea that sell less, mean more encapsulates. It's not about being in the hustle. It's about doing something that you want to do and spending your time in a meaningful way so that you have a legacy that you can be proud of. We will include links to Agent Dynamics and Julie as she exists on the interwebs in the show notes for today and in this uh, live YouTube recording. Julie Davis, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure.